At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, brought to you by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Hornets. Rob Longo with you today following Charlotte's disappointing loss in Milwaukee last night, 130-106 to as the Hornets hit the skids a little bit more and fall to 30-33 and on the season. And just thankfully having the month of February put in the rearview mirror at this point as Charlotte was just too and 10 in the shortest calendar month of the season. We'll break this one down from last night, provide you with our silver linings. There were a couple, of course, as there always are. And then we will get into a little bit of a more lighthearted topic in our third segment. Got to lighten up a little bit. We'll relive LaMelo Ball's All-Star Weekend in Cleveland just a few days ago because we are joined today by the one and the only... I'd say that with great emphasis. The vice president of digital media here at Hornets Sports Entertainment, it's Matt Rachinsky. Matt, it's been a minute since we've had you here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thrilled to be back on here with you, Rob. Last time I was on with Sam, so I've missed talking to you. Let's just put it that way. Always fun talking with you, Rob. I appreciate the sentiment, whether it is uh, sarcastic or not, but I will go ahead and give you the benefit (laughs) of the doubts. At any rate, let's go ahead and take a quick recap of this one. As Charlotte got off to a pretty good start last night, Hornets were leading this one early just midway through the first quarter. Charlotte was shooting 50% from the field, 4 of 7 from beyond the arc. Miles Bridges had 8 points early. Everything kind of seemed to be going Charlotte's way. LaMelo Ball was able to take off in the first quarter as well. He ended up with double digits in the first 12 minutes. LaMelo Ball showing off the handle on the Bucks logo with Javon Carter right next to him. LaMelo trying to get by him. Step back three is good. LaMelo Ball drilling another Lowe's three-point shot. 
13-point quarter. Hornets even it at 32. So that was the score after 12 minutes of play. Both teams nodded at 32 going into the second quarter. So Charlotte playing about as good as it can going onto the second night of a back-to-back. However, Milwaukee was able to come out of the second quarter shooting hot. Hornets had to call a timeout just 53 seconds into the frame in order to stop a 6-0 run. It got worse from there as Milwaukee ended up going on a 23-7 run over the first six minutes of the second quarter. Charlotte just did not shoot well in that second frame. Went 7-22 from the field, 2-7 beyond the arc. And meanwhile, Milwaukee was able to go 13-23 in that same frame, 7-15 from three-point land. The one bright spot there at that point was LaMelo Ball had 18 points, leading all scores. However, it didn't really matter because Milwaukee had all five starters in double figures up until that point. Charlotte needed to get out of the gates hot in the second half. Just simply did not happen. Milwaukee was able to outscore the Hornets 32-23 in the third quarter. And then Charlotte was able to show some signs of life in the fourth quarter just a little bit late as the Hornets outscored Milwaukee 30-22 to in the final frame, and it resulted in a 130-106 to loss for the Hornets. Matt, we'll get into some sound after this one here in just a few moments, but it seemed like this one really went awry in the second quarter, and the Hornets couldn't recover. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy to watch the way that this team came out and started because you couldn't have asked for a better start from this squad. To see Miles hit a three, LaMelo hit a three, Miles hit a three, LaMelo hit a three, and then Terry hits a little floater in the lane, and all of a sudden you look up and we're up 16-9 to and feeling pretty darn good about ourselves but I know things started to fall apart in the second quarter for sure but I think that there was something that happened late in that first quarter that might have started to turn the tide against us a little bit there Kelly hit that corner three to put us up 22-19 came back down the court the other end Bobby Portis picks up the technical fall after he kind of got in a little bit of a scuffle there with Kelly whether or not he thought he tried to sell a foul or not I'm not exactly sure if that's exactly what it was for but it really seemed to get not only that Milwaukee crowd fired up it got Bobby Portis fired up we all know there's nothing you want less than a fired up Bobby Portis because that guy is just frightening sometimes the way he, he can play when he starts going off but it also fired up that buck squad I feel like because at that point in time we're up 23-19 we didn't lead again after that point they just chipped away tied it up we tied it back up and from that point they just started running away from it so I think things like that are really key in a game especially when you're looking at a team we were coming off the back-to-back needed to get out with some good energy Milwaukee was going into their fifth game of their six-game homestand, but they were only one and three on that homestand. So they were wanting to win, too. So maybe that was a little bit of a wake-up call for them that Bobby helped supply their team, and it wasn't one that we wanted them to have because you're right. And that second quarter was just three after three after three to start. They go on the 9-0 run. Next thing you know, you're down by nine points and and looking in the rearview mirror, always trying to play catch-up, and we just could not catch up with the defending champs on their home court. Yeah, that technical that you talk about came in the first quarter. Bobby Porter's picked up the tee. I wrote it down at the 348 mark in the first quarter. At that point, Charlotte led it 22-19, to and like you mentioned, kind of revitalized that Milwaukee team, even though that they are the defending NBA champions. You don't really need any added motivation when you're going up against a team like that, and for what it's worth as well, Bobby Porter's was my player to watch going into this one simply because he had 30 points the other night against Brooklyn, just kind of exploded out of nowhere. Giannis Antetokounmpo Kupo ended up being the leading scorer last night, 26 points. On the other side, LaMelo Ball was the leading point getter for the Hornets with 24. After the game, James Borrego was asked about that second quarter, and here's what he had to say. It was a combination of things, poor offense, you know, their transition game. They got out, I think they hit the half, it was 15 to 0 in transition points in their favor. So poor offense, give them credit. They were, they were the more physical team in the first half. You know, Drew Holiday, and we knew that going to the game, you know, it was going to be a challenge. So just got to keep playing and uh, got to put four quarters together. 
Matt, it felt like a combination of a multitude of things. Of course, you got to put four good quarters together, like JB mentioned. Second night of a back-to-back, there's some fatigue involved as well. But even if the Hornets played a perfect game last night, I don't know if it would have been enough against Milwaukee. I keep in mind, too, the Bucks shot 44% from the field, 40% from beyond New York. The thing that stands out to me the most was the Bucks were 32 of 37 from the free throw line. And a lot of those free throws that Milwaukee missed late were just in garbage time, really. I think at one point, Milwaukee, I think, was a perfect 27 of 27 from the charity stripe. So they hit the free throws when it mattered. Giannis was 14 of 14 from the free throw line. So thankfully, he didn't get to the line 20 sometimes, but he got there enough to really hurt the Hornets. And I think a combination of all of those things combined was the reason why Charlotte lost last night. Of course, there were some other things involved in there as well, but those were the main factors. Yeah, when all those things kind of start pooling together in a game in which you need a win, things can get away from you really quickly. You're right. They shot the lights out. We didn't have much of a response, especially in the second quarter. Both teams came out firing. Both teams came out playing with their foot on the gas. And Del Curry said it in the broadcast. Milwaukee never took their foot off the gas in the second quarter and just kept pressuring, pressuring, pressuring on both ends of the court. And you're right, they played a perfect game and really owned us, particularly in the paint, where, where that's where the Hornets struggled last game against the Detroit Pistons as well. And you wanted to come out and try and have a response to that and you didn't. You didn't have a response on the glass at all. As a matter of fact, the Hornets' leading rebounder was Kelly Oubre with seven rebounds. And you can't have that when there's no other of your bigs that are getting up there attacking the glass. Coach Borrego said that it's been a problem for this team all season long, and it shows up and reared its ugly head again last night in Milwaukee. Speaking of that rebounding, it all starts on the defensive end of the glass. And here's what P.J. Washington said after the game last night about the defensive effort. I think for us, we've got to communicate more, just be together as a unit on that end. And, um, I mean, this league, guys are going to make shots. That's uh, the bottom line. So we just got to do our best to try to not let them make any shots that they have been making as late. So, um, It's a lot easier said than done, Matt. Again, we've seen the defense kind of go in spurts a little bit too, but I think that this game is a little bit of an anomaly in that aspect. We've seen games in the past where the Hornets have kept it close. I go back and I think about that Miami game where the defense really let the Hornets stay in that contest until it became down the stretch where Charlotte was able to hit some shots going down towards the end of the game, the force double overtime game. And of course, there were other factors in there that I don't want to you know, relive some demons with that said. But at the same time, this is a very difficult team to guard, really, Matt. I mean, you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, is the, the guy is just, I mean, they call him the Greek freak for a reason. You got Bobby Portis that can kind of go off at any given night. Chris Middleton, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast as well. All five starters last night were in double figures at halftime. The And then it kind of got worse from there. Javon Carter, who recently was acquired, he ended up with 10 points. I mean, the list goes on and on. So as much as the defense can be at fault for this one, I think the offense didn't really help the cause either. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I mean, when you've got a guy like Drew Holiday, who's giving them that third weapon, he's not known as a prolific three-point shooter. And he hit five of eight threes last night. So, I mean, this is, it was, it was the culmination of everything coming together for them on a night when they needed to win. And we're one in 10 in the back-to-back games heading into that game. And you draw the defending champs. It was not the best draw for the Hornets in a situation where they were trying to bounce back after a tough loss the previous game. Adds up to a 130-106 to loss for the Hornets. Charlotte now falls to 30-33 and on the season. And like I said, just cannot wait to get to March because, well, February was just simply not the Hornets' month going 2-10 in the month of February. There were some bright spots, though. We touched on it a little bit here in that segment, but we're going to really dive into it next right here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Cataracts made it hard to see clearly. 
Even movies were blurry. So I went to Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. Now movies are as clear and sharp as they once were. The doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offer cataract surgery using the newest technology and lenses with short recovery times. See like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. It's a Silver Linings edition of the Hornets Hivecast here today. Rob Longa, Matt Rachinsky with you here on the HHC following Charlotte's 130-106 to loss. Matt, time now to get into our Silver Linings a little bit. As the guest of honor, as always, I will let you go first. Well, I've got to go with LaMelo Ball, obviously. You know, he struggled playing against Detroit in the game prior, shooting 6-24 of 24 from the field, and honestly had struggled coming out of the break. 5-16 of 16 against Toronto, and heading into the break, didn't shoot the ball that well against Miami. So to see him step up, come out in that first quarter, really kind of put this game on on his back and say, hey, let me see if I can start carrying us to a win. He came out and he shot the lights out five of six from the start, three of four from beyond the arc in the first quarter and got 13 points up. So it was a great start for LaMelo. He finished nine of 18 from the field at 50%, four of seven from long range for 57%. Only had two assists, but I also kind of chart that one up to the fact of, we weren't hitting shots, and a lot of those passes before that might have led to assists for LaMelo, the rest of the team seemed to struggle a little bit. So I kind of chalked that one up to that and why he only had the two assists. But overall, good to see him kind of getting a little bit of a positive momentum going with his shot, getting that swagger back a little bit. It was the first time he'd shot over 36% from the field since February 15th against Minnesota. So this kid's starting to get back in the groove. Hopefully that will continue for him, and this will just be kind of a, a jumping point for him as we head into the rest of the week. Hornets lob it into LaMelo Ball. Spins away from Javon Carter, uses the screen, probing at the left side. Fall away shot from almost out of bounds, and he somehow finds the angle for the finish. LaMelo Ball, a 10-point opening quarter. That was one of the more impressive shots that LaMelo had last night. Just kind of a fadeaway baseline, almost over the backboard kind of shot. Really impressive from what looked like it was an impossible angle. But yeah, Matt, I completely agree with you on all fronts because when you go back to Sunday's game against Detroit, LaMelo did not simply shoot the ball very well. He started off pretty good. I think he was like 4 of 11 or something like that from the field. So not great, but not terrible. And then he finishes with a worse shooting percentage. Looked like he forced a couple of shots there in the second half. A couple of missed opportunities there close around the basket that simply just did not go his way but you kind of touched on my next point which I was going to say about LaMelo is the three rebounds and the two assists. Going into tonight's game against Milwaukee this season, LaMelo against the Bucks, 26 points per game 6.3 rebounds per game, 6.7 assists per game. So he almost got to that points per game average. The rebounds and the assists were down. And that was something that I talked to Sam Farber about at halftime on the broadcast last night was at that point, LaMelo did not have any assists at the break. He had 18 points, two rebounds, no assists. And I asked Sam about that too. I said, is that a little alarming? Because when you take a look at that number, you think that maybe LaMelo Ball is trying to press a little bit. Maybe he is just trying to take over the game more or less. And that's fine. We just haven't really seen that from LaMelo. He's one of those guys that really wants to get everybody involved. But just like you said, to your point, I think it was one of those things where just nobody else was making shots last night. And that was the reason why the assist numbers were down. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And I think that was kind of the case for LaMelo last night as well. Yeah. If you've got Miles Bridges shooting three for 10 in the first half, you've got Mason Plumley 0 for 3, and he's usually a guy who converts near the rim, especially. Terry was 5 of 10, hitting a couple shots, and, and that's probably where two of those assists might have, one of those assists might have come from. So, yeah, when your team is struggling shooting the ball, 
and you've got to take over on the offensive end. You're not your assists are going to go down. You're going to keep the ball in your hands, and you're going to try and make something happen just to kind of inject that energy into the team. And I think that's what he had to do. And it just kind of followed as they got into it late in the second half because he was in there late with some of the younger players. Kai Jones had a chance to get some run in as well. So it wasn't exactly out there with the same group of guys he was used to playing with towards the end of the game. So that also could be one of those things where you're dealing with some uh, a little bit more nerves from the younger fella, especially a guy like Kai. For my silver lining, of course, Rob rules do apply because if they didn't, I would certainly take LaMelo Ball as well. But it's so tough to kind of pick a second silver lining after last night's game just because everybody was kind of on level footing for the most part. I mean, Miles Bridges had 14 points. Terry Rozier had 17 points. Kelly Oubre had 17 points. But I'm going to go with P.J. Washington. P.J. had 13 points, shot okay, 5 of 11 from the field, was solid or average, I should say, from beyond the arc, 3 and 9 from there, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Didn't have a huge impact defensively like we've normally seen P.J. have over the last couple of seasons because that's really been his calling card between that and and hitting threes as a stretch 5 and that sort of thing, but I'm going to put P.J. as my silver lining simply for the fact that you know he's kind of relearning the 4 position a little bit here with this new lineup. Of course, with Gordon Hayward out and probably out for an extended period of time here, he's already missed several games, probably going to miss several more as well. The addition of Montrezl Harrell at the trade deadline gives James Borrego some more flexibility. You're able to put Mason Plumlee at the five as a starter, which was always the plan, but you don't have PJ going into the rotation as a stretch five for the most part, unless you really, really, really want to play small for whatever reason. We saw that a little bit against Detroit on Sunday, but for the most part, PJ has been playing the four again. It's more of like his natural position. I feel like he's trying to get a little bit more comfortable, and I think we're starting to see him turn the corner a little bit here as he goes five of 11 from the field, 13 points. He's starting to relearn that he has that extra time. He has some extra space out on the perimeter where he's able to set up a little bit more and find his shot and find his rhythm out there. So I'm going to go with PJ Washington as my silver lining for tonight. Real quick, Matt, what do you think about that one? No, I think that's a solid call on the silver lining on a night where there weren't a whole lot. And I think you're right. I think that PJ's not only feeling more comfortable, but you're starting to see him get his confidence back. I feel like he plays a little more confident at the four. And and you saw that towards the end of the Detroit game. He wasn't that big of a factor until that fourth quarter of that Detroit game. But man, what a factor he was in stepping up and making those kind of defensive plays that he's used to making as a four and shutting down players and, and really giving the Hornets an opportunity to get back in that game and I feel like, yeah, I think his confidence started to show a little bit more. He he has a little bit of his swagger back as well, and, and that's what we need to see from P.J. because I feel like P.J. needs to emerge in, in this last stretch run here of 19 games if we're going to make a good push. All right, I think we got it out of our systems. We're done with this game, a 130-106 to 106 loss. We're done with this month, thank goodness, as well, and the Hornets will turn to brighter days in March as we hope that Charlotte is able to kind of turn the corner a little bit. It begins tomorrow night in Cleveland. Of course, we'll get you set for a preview of that one here tomorrow as I tease that a little bit but at any rate we still got one more segment here on the Hornets Hivecast we know it's been tough sledding for the last couple weeks here for the Hornets but we're going to throw it back to some brighter days when LaMelo Ball was in Cleveland just a few days ago for the All-Star break for the Rising Stars game for the All-Star game itself we got to talk about that we got to talk about real access which of course centers around LaMelo Ball's trip to Cleveland and we got to talk about our little mock draft that Matt Rachinsky and Sam Farber had right before the All-Star game let's revisit 
revisit that one to see who got the bragging rights as well. We'll talk about all of that next right here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Rob Longo and Matt Rachinsky putting a button on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Sensa. And Matt, we got a lot to talk about here for a multitude of reasons as we go back to, like I mentioned, some brighter days just a few weeks ago. Well, I don't know if you can call them brighter days because it was Cleveland. It was a little gloomy. I was there. I can confirm that. But at any rate, LaMelo Ball being named to the all-star roster as an injury replacement, but he was the premier person in the Rising Stars game as well. The most latest edition of Real Access, in case you haven't checked it out, of course, go ahead and give it a click on Hornets.com. It's a great behind-the-scenes look at what LaMelo Ball went through and what was a really odd stretch, too, because if you think about it, the day prior to the Rising Stars game, the Hornets took on the Miami Heat here at Spectrum Center. It was a double overtime loss. Of course, we won't get too much into the weeds because of that one, but just because of the travel that LaMelo Ball had to do after that one, getting up early, getting practice, doing some community service, getting ready for the Rising Stars game, and then Saturday, some practice before the All-Star game itself, getting acquainted with some teammates that you're going to play a full game with that you've never played with in your career before. So it was a really good behind the scenes look, Matt. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and the thoughts that, you know, the Hornets as a franchise were able to get a guy like LaMelo Ball back in the All-Star game because it's been a couple of seasons since Charlotte has been able to be represented at the All-Star game. Yeah, I guess my first take on it is I don't know if the kid ever stops smiling. I mean, we had cameras in his face nonstop, had our crew out there following him around, did a tremendous job. But, man, the guy's just got that infectious energy. He's just fun to be around. He he was really just kind of soaking it all in. But he he didn't really seem intimidated by the moment either. You know, and I think Coach Spolster kind of pointed that out in their media day when he said, you know, that there's just that infectious energy that LaMelo has when you're around him. It's hard to explain to people, but you've seen it. I've seen it. It just kind of brings something out of folks that brings that kid out in you again. And, and an all-star atmosphere is perfect for a guy like LaMelo Ball. You know, in my career, I've had the opportunity to cover quite a few guys there for the Hornets and Bobcats at one point in time with Gerald Wallace, Kemba Walker. And usually in their first times getting out there to all-star games, they were really timid. They deferred to other players. They weren't the guys who were going to make the flashy play. They were the guys who would kind of sit back and just really soak in the moment and be happy being there and watch the other stars kind of go off. That's not how LaMelo is built at all. And I love the fact that that's not how this kid is built, that he walked in he felt it seemed to feel comfortable from day one, you know, in the rookie sophomore challenge, all of those things, and then jumping into the all-star game where he was the third highest scorer on his team. So it was great to see LaMelo kind of represent not only himself, not only represent the Hornets, but to represent the city of Charlotte. Because anytime you get an opportunity to kind of shine that light on this city that's continuing to grow and great things are happening, and I think it's great for him to be that ambassador for us and for the city, and for our fans. So it it was great to watch. Like you said, make sure you guys do yourself a favor. Get on Hornets.com. Get on the Hornets app. Watch the newest episode of Real Access, Episode 9. Absolutely great watch. And we'll give you that real behind-the-scenes access to an All-Star weekend. All right, now that we got that out of the way, there are some bragging rights to uh, claim here on the Hornets Hivecast. Let's throw it back a little bit here. A couple of weeks ago, the last time you were on the podcast with us here, Matt, we did our little mock draft with 
yourself and Sam Farber talking about what the all-star teams might look like. You guys drafted your own teams. Some of them are right. Some of them are wrong, but it doesn't matter because it was like fantasy football in that aspect. You would just kind of pick whoever. So we'll give you the rundown real quick of what these teams looked like. Team Sam was technically Team LeBron in the All-Star game. That was Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Trey Young, John Morant, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, who ended up being injured, Zach Levine, James Harden, who of course did not play, Carl Anthony Towns, Fred Van Fleet, and DeJounte Murray. That was Team Sam. Then on the other side, Team Matt, which was in theory Team Durant, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, which there was a three spelled for Andrew, which I don't know if that was, um, I don't know if that was subconsciously in there or not. LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell did not play, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Chris Middleton, and Darius Garland. So when all of those totals are added up, Team Matt or Team Durant, whatever you want to put it as, 178, which ended up being above the target score for the All-Star game, then Team Sam, 135. Matt, when we had these teams drafted, you guys asked me as the impartial auditor, I suppose, (laughs) who I thought was going to win this game, and I, you know, I tried to get a bribe out of somebody, and it didn't work. I didn't get lunch from Sam. I didn't get a raise from you, so it was kind of inconsequential at that point. But at any rate, I thought that Team Sam or Team LeBron, whatever you want to call it, had the upper hand, and it ends up being Team Matt or Team Durant, whatever you want to call it, coming out on top, 178 to 135. So I guess we'll kind of go all uh, around the horn here a little bit as we wrap this segment up, wrap this podcast up, that you get your 30 seconds of FaceTime to kind of gloat and, and rub it in. Sam Farber's face. Yeah, I'd just like to say both to you and Sam that I, I think I was right there with you and didn't think that my team was going to come out on top of Sam's team the way that they did. But it always helps when you go into a draft and you draft the guy who's going to score the most amount of points. And I deferred to Sam and let him go first. And he grabbed Giannis. And I, I went with Steph Curry, and I think he thought I was a little crazy. Steph dropped 50 spot, and my second pick was Joel Embiid, who was the, what, second highest scoring player in the All-Star game. Yeah, Embiid had 36 going- points. Yeah, 36 points. And we go to the the reserves, the two highest scoring reserves out of all reserves, no matter whose team they were on. LaMelo Ball and Devin Booker at 20 and 18. What were my first two reserve picks? LaMelo Ball and Devin Booker. So I just got to say, it's not necessarily always the way the teams look on paper as much as the right gut feel. And I had a right gut feeling on this one, and I took Sam down. First off, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and I didn't want to start any arguments when we recorded the podcast back then, but I was trying to figure out why Sam took Giannis at the first overall pick. And I'm like, why don't you take Steph Curry? And then you were able to make him pay, obviously. And then at the same time, with that said, I'm looking at Steph Curry dropping that 50-piece, and he just looked like he was unfair there, unconscious <laughs> in Cleveland, hitting logo threes, turning around as soon as you release a ball, and he just knew it was going to go in and that sort of thing. But I kind of want to say it's not fair that you you took a guy like Steph because he dropped 50, but even if we average that out to or cut it in half to 25, you still end up coming up on top because of all of the other depth <laughs> that you ended up with Joel Embiid and LaMelo and Devin Booker and those kind of guys. So just like most people probably, I was wrong. I will admit it. I will eat my crow and I will tip my cap and say congratulations to Matt Rochinski on the 2022 NBA All-Star Hornets Hivecast Fantasy Draft. Perfect, and I'll give Sam a chance to earn it back next year. We'll see how it goes. We might have to make this a three-horse race. I might have to get involved, but that will be too determined at a different time. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Matt Rachinsky, the Vice President of Digital Media here with the Hornets, thank you so much for joining me on today's edition of the HHC. Hey, great to be on. Love being on here with you, as always, Rob. And thanks to all of you for joining us as well. Of course, the Hornets will look to right the ship and get the month of March started off on the right foot tomorrow in Cleveland. Sam Farber and myself will be back 
on tomorrow's edition of the HHC to get you set for that one. I'm sure we'll talk about some power rankings and whatever comes to our minds as well, which at this point in the season could be a little dangerous. For Matt Rachinski, I'm Rob Longo saying thanks again for checking us out today on the Hornets Hivecast, and we'll see you tomorrow again right here on the HHC. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.